Right, everybody, welcome to the latest edition of the LFC Red Poets podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Les Lawson, and I'm joined, as normal, by the Keegan and Toshak at this podcast, Tommy Keegan and Warby Dereb, Peter Warburton. And later on, we'll be joined by Nottingham Forest fan, Zigazag Aka Peter, um, who's been a Not Forest fan for many, many years. So we'll start... And the first time on this podcast, we'll be talking, we've talked about a Liverpool win. So, Liverpool win 6-1 at Leeds. So, I'll start with you, Pete. What was your view when, first of all, you heard that Jürgen had named an unchanged side, which meant another start for Curtis Jones, the midfield being the same. And then what was your view on how the game went? I, I was pleased, actually. I'm pleased that Curtis is getting the run in the team. And it's actually you can actually see in his performances he's getting better with each one. So I wasn't surprised that Jürgen's you know picked the same team. Um, thought it was always going to be difficult at Leeds because obviously the, where where they are in the league they're going to be fighting. But the first sort of twenty five minutes half hour was pretty tepid to be honest. Um, it reminded me of a couple of boxers who. Rather than slug it out, you know, they're just feeling one another out to try and get any weaknesses and that. And then after about 30 minutes, it was like somebody flicked the switch and then it suddenly just livened up. And in fairness, the first goal, if that had gone against us, I'd have been livid. It was a blatant, whether he, he meant it or not, Trent, it was a blatant handball. And I said at the time, I said to me, lad, I said, this will be disallowed. And I was, I was really shocked when they let it go because I remember we had a goal disallowed at Tottenham a couple of seasons or so ago when it was in lockdown and we scored, but they brought it all the way back to a handball on the halfway line. Pete, can I just come in there a sec yeah. and just say that the rules changed since then? Yeah, that's what I was going to say, but the rules have changed now, yeah. So part of me was thinking, you know, it wouldn't surprise me, you know, if, if that happened. And then, as I say, you could see that they were onto VAR and, and that, and then he let it go in the Leeds crowd and, and the team were incensed. But we just took it on from there. And but for like a lack of concentration at the start of the second half with um, Ibu, we just control the game. And I was glad to see Diogo Jossa getting on the score sheets again. He's, he's looking, you know, it's going to take a long time for him. He's, he's had a long layoff and people think they're just going to come straight back into the team and be firing on all cylinders. And a bit like Curtis Jones, you need games under your belt. So I was glad to see see Jota get his goals, and and obviously one of the the, the standout goal for me was the one where Robbo made the overlap um, from defence. We literally broke up a lead attack on the edge of our box, and within what five ten seconds, it was in the nest at the other end. Cody was unselfish and played it onto Mo Salah. Um, so all in all, it was like you say, it was. It was um, a very good um, result, and we, we need to carry this on now in the in the last eight games or so of the season. Tom, what did you think? Did you do you agree with what, a lot of what Peter said there, or is there anything you disagreed with? What's your own view? Yeah, no, I'm more or less agree hundred percent there with Peter. I thought I thought we started again sluggish, but. I, I don't think really what would say it's sluggish. It, it was we were passing it round where we, we we had I think so at one stage I think we had like 81 percent possession, but we couldn't sort of breach or find a way through. So it was more or less just back and forward all the way around. So 
that that from that point of view, I think as Peter said, I think the first goal was was the thing that changed the game really, and I I, I think like I think like Peter, I, I, I thought because I said to you, I thought this is going to get disallowed here because I I didn't think it'd go, and then he gave it, which was which surprised me, but um, after that, I think the second goal was a killer. It was a pure class for the first time in a long time. We pressed, we won the ball, Giotta won the ball, released small, and that was a brilliant finish for Mo Salah. Overall, I think there's so many positives about the second half. Five minutes, ridiculous. I cannot say what that happens in football, and I think it didn't turn out too crucial. But unlike unlike Peace, I didn't, I thought he, Robbo's goal, where Robbo laid the ball, was brilliant. But for me, the, the best goal of the night was was um, Trent's pass. I thought was was exquisite. I thought I thought, I thought Nunez's take, considering he just come on the game, it was brilliant and his finish was excellent. So that was my favourite moment because it's the first time in a long time we've watched the goal where you know we've playing we, we were actually playing football, look, looking quality, and I think you know it, it bodes well. Loved Curtis Jones's performance. I thought he was exceptional. I'd, I'd really like to see Curtis like this. You know, I'd like to see him throw off the shackles, Les. You know, because there's not, every one of us has says the same thing. There's a very good player there, but he plays within himself for some reason. So, overall, absolutely ecstatic about the results and onwards and upwards, hopefully. Yeah, Tom, I, I, I tend to agree a lot with what both of you said there. I thought the first 30 minutes, we were moving the ball around a little bit too slow. I thought Jota really struggled in the first half hour. I thought he was he was giving the ball away a lot, but one thing you'll never take away from Jota is that he was still working really hard for the team, still working back. And then all of a sudden, you know, we got that goal. I was one that didn't think it would be disallowed because it what didn't happen directly before the goal. Don't get me wrong, I thought it was handball and should have been given on the field, if not by the referee and by the liner who was on that side of the field. So, you know, when it was allowed to play on and then the ball went through to Mo Salah and then we scored, I knew that they couldn't go back and look at it at VAR because of the rule change. So I was confident at that point that the goal was going to stand and then obviously then, you know, Mo Salah took his goal really well. And that that goal that Mo Salah scored was a catalyst really for Josh's performance because from that moment on, it seemed to lift his confidence. Remember that word we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, Tom? Yeah. Do you disagree with me about confidence? Oh. Well, there was, a fine, there was a good example about confidence because had Jota not done that, I think he could have possibly been substituted around about half time or just after but that then gave him the confidence to, to sort of take on to his performance and then that culminated in two goals within the in the second half I agree with Pete really my favourite goal was the one that, that most scored I just thought the, the whole move from the edge of our box right the way through and the touch from Cody was just sublime and then most finish in the corner but it there wasn't a lot to choose between them because I do agree with with what you said, Tom. That the, the passion, sense, and the take from Darwin was unbelievable, and the and the finish, 
you know, right in the corner. Darwin's one of those players, and we've had we've had some of them in the past where when he's going through one on one and he's got time to think, you don't expect him to score. But when he when he doesn't have time to think and he just does things naturally, then he scores some cracking goals. And I think that this season has been, you know, there's been a lot of ups and downs for Darwin. But I'm in the very positive camp for him. I think you this season will do him a lot of good. I can only see him getting better and better. You know, the longer he, he's with us, the more he integrates in the squad, the more he learns how Liverpool want him to play. And I just think as he gets older, he'll score more type, more different types of goals as well. But all in all, you know, before the game, I thought, you know, if we can, if we can sort of survive the first 15, 20 minutes here, you know, of this sort of Leeds will go for it, they're at home, you know, the, the crowd will be up for it. It's a night game. And I'd watched them against uh, Crystal Palace in the last home game. And for the first sort of first half, really, until late, just before half time, Leeds could have been two or three nil up. He didn't take the chance. Palace equalised just before half time. And then Leeds went to pieces. And I thought that, that this game would be very similar where Leeds would come out very quick and Liverpool would have to, you know, hold down, you know, and, and sort of weather the storm, so to speak. But we didn't. We controlled the game virtually for that first 30 minutes, even though, though I said earlier, I thought the tempo was slow. And um, and yet fully deserved our victory. One thing I'd like to say is we all talk about Curtis Jones and how, you know, he always sort of seems to be too safe. But that pass for Jota's goal, you'd have to say, was right in the top drawer. If that had been, you know, a Thiago playing that pass or a, a Kevin De Bruyne or or Enzo Fernandez, you know, people that have been raving over that and you could just hear Martin Tyler saying that after that being Enzo, well, that's what you pay over £100 million for. So we need to see more of that from Curtis, not just have it as an isolated moment in his, you know, in his career to say, remember when Curtis did that, we know he can do it, but he doesn't do it often enough. And for me, he's got to start doing things like that on a regular basis and, you know, using his creativity more. And he, he can also score goals. So I'd like him to see, see him take responsibility sometimes and have a few ch- shots from the, you know, from the edge of the box, etc., etc. But yeah, all in all, a fantastic performance. I'll go to you, Tom. What did you Peter's think? Peter's about to join us, Les. Yeah. What oh. did you think of uh, the performance of, of Trent in his new role? I thought Trent, the way he, 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 well, I've had this, I've had this debate over the last eighteen months because I've been saying that this is where Trent will end up. He's, as Jamie Carragher said the other day, he is a, he, he started off as a central midfield player. He is a natural midfield player. That was where he all went through as a kid. That's where he come through as as a youngster. So, I'm, I'm not surprised to see him fitting into that position. I think Jürgen, I think Jürgen has worked the system out. I think well Guardiola tried it, didn't he, with Stones? And I think I think it suits Trent this system at the moment in, in so much as that it frees him up. Someone ends up dropping into the into the fullback position and it allows Trent freedom to do what he does best. And for me, that's his natural position. I expect him to be there probably in the next couple of, probably 
the next couple of you know the next couple of seasons that's where he'll end up as as a as a natural midfield player. Thought he was exceptional. You may you disagree, you may disagree, but all the way through I've said this, and here he is, he's found a position. He, he's run his course at right back, Les. Teams of teams have worked out about the system that Liverpool played. And I think even if we go back to that old system, Trent doesn't look, he looks a lot more relaxed and he looks more like himself in that position. He looks happier in his game. He looks happier in, in, in his own approach and everything. So I, I think he will end up there. And I think one day you'll see him play in that position for England because I don't think there's many better than him, to be honest. No, I agree with that. There's not many better than him. But what I will say, Tom, is that I think it's an inverted fullback role. I don't think it is just saying, right, we're going to play him in midfield, so we're going to bring in a new right back. I don't see that happening. I just think it's a change of system. And it's something Guardiola has started to do at Manchester City, which is why Kyle Walker now isn't getting in the side and John Stones is. So, so we will see. I thought... Trent did very well in the game against Arsenal, and also the uh, you know that game. I thought he was man of the match, despite you know Mo Salah getting it from Andy Inchcliffe. But Pete, what do you reckon? Well, it was noticeable after half time the Arsenal game, as I was saying to me, lad, look where Trent is now. Look where Trent is. I'm not so sure that he will be a nailed on midfielder as such. A tends to sort of go with. <laughs> I think you can start at right back, but. He changed the whole formation to accommodate him when he moves on. He goes to a, like a 3-2-5 almost. And then you wonder if long-term, um, rather than, you know, that there might be a case, and I've, I've mentioned this a couple of times in the past, there might be a case to go three at the back and have three centre-halves, have, have, say, Canati, Van Dijk and A another, and let Robbo and Trent do what they're good at, which is, as I say, Robbo setting up the goal the other night at Leeds. Maraud Nani, he hasn't been doing that of late. But whether whether they put Trent in midfield as a starter or they still stick with this, the two fullbacks and let them have a little bit more freedom. But he's he's a much better he's a much better going forward fullback than a defender fullback. And I'm not having a go at him defensively because there's times he does, you know, make really good challenges and wins the ball back deep. But I think like Tommy said, he, he looks like he's playing with a newfound freedom there. And he's enjoying his game more. I don't think the shackles are off him really. He's he's got license to go forward, but I don't know if he's going to be. If we stick with a four-three-three, I don't think he's particularly going to be one of the three. I think he'll he'll start at the back, but have more license to go forward. And and like you say, he'll get covered with either Fab dropping in or Hendo dropping in behind him once he goes forward. But he, you know, he's looked much the better for what he's doing now. Much the better. Yeah, Tom, I just I just think that maybe Liverpool are sort of starting to evolve into a new system, which, as Pete said there, it could be three at the back, and that's why they could be looking for another centre-back, maybe with pace, because I think with Trent playing in the in that role, as, as it's called, the inverted full-back, if you like, and he moves into midfield and goes on a double-six with Fabinho, I think you need somebody with pace on that right-hand side so you can actually see the thought process possibly of the thinking maybe Joel Matip will leave at the end of the season because Joel Matip hasn't got the pace to play as the right-sided centre-back 
if Trent's going to be doing that double six. So you need someone like a Canati or even a Joe Gomez to play there. And as Pete said there, you know, we could actually bring in, you know, another left-sided centre-back and push Robbo up as well. So that will be interesting to see. So what do you think of that, Tom? Maybe. maybe. It looked a good sim. Whatever the system is, it's working at the moment. There was speculation they were looking at Romeo Lavia from, um, I think, Southampton, wasn't he? And... um, he, he's a right back, so I don't know whether whether long term he sees. He, I think I think we're going to have a, a a real big clear out in the summer, Les. I think you know. I think nobody's going to be shocked by that. I think, as we said last week, I think there's going to be a couple of big names that will go as well. So I don't know, but I think since Trent's moved into the into the whether you call it the inverted. The, the inverted midfielder, or you call him, you know, like a wide wide. Right back, right back playing into midfield as a double six. I think he's looked more comfortable. Liverpool have looked better. Liverpool have looked more balanced, and he's looked more dangerous. So, I think nothing's going to change there really. I, I, I think, and I, I can honestly, I can honestly, I've always said this, to you Les. I've said it numerous times. I've said it since that's fair sort sense. There's, I don't think there's anything. That Stephen Gerrard did, our Lee said to me, score goals. But I, when Stevie started off, it was only when Rafa came in, I, I think he'd become a prolific goal scorer. I, I think there's there's not much that Trent can't do that Stevie did. And that, uh, to me, that's why I see him as a natural midfielder. I think he's a player that will go there. I think you could be right with a three. Because I think we might be looking at the start of the system because the old system was worked out and where it it took us it took us a while and injuries to get into some sort of a balanced routine. It wouldn't surprise surprise me to see Liverpool go on and not lose a game in the last eight games. It wouldn't surprise me at all now. So, but I think Trent's in there eventually. I'm going to stick. I'm going to stick with the, what I've said for the last two years. I think Trent will be a midfield player. Time will prove me right or wrong. Yeah, well, we'll we'll agree to disagree on that, yeah. Tom. Like we do a lot of the time, eh? Always. Just oh. quickly before we move on and introduce our our friends from Notts Forest, just a quick word from you both. I'll start with Pete on this one on the performance of Cody Gakpo and how you actually think he, he's he's now settling into the Liverpool side and. What what do you think he can add going forward? I think you could see <clears throat> you see in the World Cup there's a class player there, no doubt about it. But I think when he first came into our team, a bit like that was levelled at um, Kersis at times. He, he played within himself. He didn't want to do anything overly spectacular in case he lost the ball or gave you know gave a, a goal away or something. But with each game that he plays, he, he's looking the pass. He really is. Um, I wouldn't say he's got blistering pace, but he carries the ball well. He, once he gets that ball, and he's got a good knack of getting in between the lines, as the, the coaches like to call it. So he drops in a bit. Or he, when he collects the ball, he's only got one thing in his mind to me. He runs at defenders, and that's what they hate. And as I say, when he first came into the team, I think he was playing it a little bit safe. But, what you know, a bit like a couple of the other players that we've mentioned earlier on, um, He's starting to believe in himself a bit more, I think, Cody. And I thought he had a really good game the other night. I did think he was, he was, you know, it was, it was hard to pick a man of the match the other night. I suppose 
when you look at Trent's display, you know, Mo, I think Mo got it on the telly because he scored twice, but so did Jossie. You know, it, it's it's just one of them that um, it was such a good all round performance at Leeds. But it was, I'm glad to see Cody coming on because once again, you, everyone expects people to hit the ground running, and it, it can't be like that when you come to a new country, a new team, and he's, he's starting to look the part now. Tom, what was your view on, on Cody? Oh, yeah, I thought he was I thought he was excellent. I've been really impressed with him, Les overall. I think I think there's times as as Pete said, I think he he you know like he, he's played a little bit, maybe safer, but I think it's learning the new system. And I don't think Liverpool were, were really flying when he was in. So it, it's been a bit difficult for him to come in and settle. But I think you can see there's a player. I did feel like I did say when earlier on, I think you I thought you could see him taking Bobby's role, couldn't you, in the, in the nine, you know, the false nine dropping deep and then coming, because i not not disagreeing with Pete, but I think he does carry the ball really well. But I think he is pretty quick as well, you know. I think him and Nunes, when they break, they break really, really fast. Yeah. And um, I think, so... Him playing in the false nine would be a brilliant link-up. He's a dead intelligent footballer, isn't he? He's one of them players that when he gets the ball, you actually feel he's going to do something with it. And when he gets into and gets into finish, he's an exquisite finisher. The two goals against Manchester United proved that. And you know, I think he's just he's just one of them players. I think if he does fit into that nine, I think he'll score a lot of goals from that position. So I I can see him being a a, a, start, a a permanent starter, Les. Yeah, I agree. So I agree with both of you there. I think that, you know, he's been excellent since he come. I think people expected too much of him too soon. He had to come in and he had to learn the system, learn how the other players played in the team. And at the time he come in, you know, Liverpool were going through a difficult period. So, you know, and, you know, the, the false nine for me is just made for him. I think that he can do a job down the left, but I think for me, he's always looked better when he's played just a false nine. And especially if you can get, if you can, if we can buy a couple of midfielders in the summer who will run from deep, then he can bring you know defenders out with him, and he's clever enough to play the passes into the gaps, and you know that could be a real weapon for us going forward. So yeah, I've been really impressed with him, and hopefully this is just the start of it a special talent that we will see develop over the next few years at Anfield. Anyway, we'll move on now from the from the game against Leeds and look forward to our home game on Saturday. Would you believe it's a three o'clock kickoff? I don't know who thought of that idea, but you never know. Us, us are our lasses. You know, that's what we always remember. So I'd like to introduce and thank him for coming on, Peter, our Notts Forest fan. And I'm sure Peter was, was around at the time where Notts Forest were our biggest rivals and, you know, knocking us out of the European Cup and getting dodgy penalties at Old Safford when John O'Hare goes down outside the box and, and and ultimately, you know, breaking, beating all the odds by winning the, the first division as it was then. Yeah, football did exist before 1993. And, you know, having just come up from the, from the first division, which for new listeners would be the championship now, and then in the second season, going on to win the European Cup. So, welcome, Pete. So, tell us a little bit about your your time of following Notts Forest, and then we'll move on from there. 
Uh, that was uh, hi, fellas. That was all a, a very polite way of saying that on this uh, on this meeting, I look quite old, wasn't it? <laughs> well, you, you're in good company, then, Pete. <laughs> I've been around since we were good. <laughs> um, yeah, been 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 through it all. I I started following Forest in about seventy one, um, and my early heroes were players sort of like Duncan McKenzie, who ended up playing across the way at um, Goodison. Uh, sort of talents like that. I watched us be rubbish through the early seventies. I watched us scrape our way up into the first division, as was sort of just just crept in by dint of other people's results in seventy six, seventy seven, and then the the miracle really of seventy seven, seventy eight of of winning the league and that forty two game unbeaten run um, that you put an end to uh, <laughs> Europe. Was there at both? Was there at both legs for that? They were both interesting nights, sort of on, on, on and off the pitch. Um, and then we've spent twenty-five years, really recently, in, in a pretty grim decline. When the club's been, th- the very existence of the club has been threatened at times. I think we're, we're the only European champions to ever been down to the third tier of their national league so we, we you know we didn't even we didn't even just pop down there for one season we were there for four or five seasons stuck in stuck in the old third division or league one <laughs> as we call it there um and then last last year was a real was was a real we looked for most of last year we looked like going the other way if you know sort of up to about october if you'd have asked we were we were going down rather than up then along comes steve cooper and we we, we went on a crazy run and and just cre- just crept in breaking the hearts of Huddersfield fans were still a bit bitter about it because we were very very lucky in the playoff final they had two big decisions went against them with VAR um, and crept in and perhaps with the benefit of hindsight we crept in a year too soon because we're we're not good enough is the brutal truth You you bought a lot of players in this summer I think I've lost count of how many you bought and then you, you brought in a couple more in January so it was always going to be difficult to to get you know a team together so quickly, if you see what I mean. Trying to integrate so many players in to get a team spirit and the system that suits them all. So how do you think you've done overall this season and, and what do you think your prospects are for sort of the last seven or eight games of the season? Do you think you'll you might get enough points to be able to sort of survive? Yeah, the, the must admit the start of the season, the target for most people was to do better than Derby's eleven points, worst team in history. Um, <laughs> so we 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 got past that, and that was that was that was quite a relief for a lot of us because I think we genuinely thought that could be a problem. Um, it, we took a lot of criticism for the pl- for for buying the amount of players we bought, but we, we came up without a team. We, we came up with a lot of journeyman championship players, a lot of people on loan that weren't our players to keep hold of anyway. Some that wanted to go, like uh, Jed Spence, who was a terrific talent, and it's heartbreaking that he's not made a go of it at Spurs because we could really do with him. Um, so it, it was sort of mission impossible, really. All those, I don't think they bought well. I, th- I think quantity over, over quality, some better than others. Jesse Lingard... You know, for whatever nice, kind of nice guy and inspirational character is meant to be behind the scenes, he's 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 he's, he's not played really. Um, some really odd ones um, that have been very disappointing. Emmanuel Dennis looked like a good player, doesn't now. 
Um, so he had, he had a hard, hard job pulling a team together. And then he's been absolutely hammered with injuries. And, it, and, and I don't know what our lot do in training, but they, they, they don't seem to get injured in matches. They just pick up injuries in training. And we've got, and it, what, what seems to happen is our better players um, just start to shine and then, dis, then disappear off injured. So under the circumstances, I think the fact that we've still got a chance of going up is good going. Um, people say, well, you spent 160 million. You know, you should, you know, look at us against United on Sunday. We couldn't compete. Um, you'd, you'd look at any pair of their players. They probably cost as much as our squad. Um, you know, so it's, so it's, it's, so it's a big ask. I think Cooper's a brilliant coach and I would like us to, uh, I would trust us to stick with him. If, if we stay up, he's achieved a miracle in keeping us up. So I would keep him. If we go down, He's proved that he can get us up from a difficult situation, so I'd keep him. And he's a fundamentally decent guy as well. And I know he's, he he did good things with your youth team, didn't he? Yes, yeah. he did. Do you think? Do you think? I mean, obviously, you you've looked more closer than what I have at the the games you've got left between now and the end of the season. And you probably maybe need you think maybe six points, maybe would do it, maybe seven points. So have you targeted games where you think? Right there, the games we've got to target and get these points to 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 get us above, you know, the waterline, so to speak. Yeah, so I mean, and uh, let's be let's be honest about it. Saturday is not one of them. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think anybody's feeling very confident about that. But we're you 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 know, you're a weird side, aren't you? Any, anything could happen with you. You could put ten past us. We could scrape a point, but I would imagine the former is probably more more likely. Ones we could target. We've got we've got um, Southampton at home. So if, if we can't beat Southampton, we probably don't deserve to stay up, do we, the way things have been. Um, we've got to play Arsenal. That doesn't look like that will bring us much. The other one that we'd hope we could possibly win would perhaps be Brighton. Um, but they're a good side, aren't they? You know, so we're, 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 we're struggling. The ones we needed wins out of was Wolves the other week, where we were actually surprisingly good and still didn't manage to win. Um, and against your mates from across the park, we, you know, we we could you know those 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 have done for us a little bit. So I think six points as long as Everton and Leeds continue to not be very good. So crossing things. Keith, I've noticed. I had a look at your. This is Pete, by the way. I had a look at uh, IMH some of, some of your fixtures. You still got Chelsea to go to, haven't you? And you could probably win at Chelsea. The, the way they're playing, you, you could probably look at that. But I think your last game of the season is Palace away. Yeah, Palace so is that, a tough that, that could be a real toughie. And like you say, I was looking and I thought, well, yeah, Southampton's winnable. Um, but the other seven or eight games are real tough, tough games, to be honest. And I know you mentioned Brighton, but Brighton are flying at the minute. Whether I mean you could do with the favour there, to be honest, if you can take points off Brighton. But yeah, it, it's gonna be a tough run. And I I was looking trying trying to guess, I suppose. The three that are going down, and it's so tight down there. Just one win can elevate you three or four places, you know. But I, th- I think I think Southampton have gone. I really do think Southampton have gone, and I think Leicester as well. Although, as I say, one win can change that. Which... We've got to play. We've got to play four of the teams down there, including yourself. So we've got a big say in it. We've got to go to West Ham next week after yourselves, and then we've still got Southampton away. Yeah. So you... and we've got Leicester away. So West Ham have a big stay as well, you know. I think West Ham will be all right. Um, yeah. <laughs> Bournemouth, will, Bournemouth will be all right now. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, that's what I mean. Just one win, though, can really change it around. So I think it's anyone from, I don't know, I think I think there's maybe seven, three from seven to go down. But, you know, it'd be a shame if Forrest went. I'm not just saying that because you're on. It'd be a shame because I feel sorry for these teams that suddenly become yo-yo teams where they just last the season, get the parachute payments, and then within a year or two, they're back up again. Yeah. And it'd be nice if someone like yourselves had come up and just, you know, got a foothold in the division. Because like you were saying from the days you... Yeah. Um, another year another year to have, to have a proper crack at it would be a good thing. Yeah. I think it's been a bit... We've been fighting an uphill battle all... Uh, all, all the way this season, um, and, and to, have, to have a proper, fair, decent go at it would be fantastic. Because there is that danger of becoming a yo-yo, a yo-yo side, or worse, you know, enough teams have gone down and then just continued to plummet their way, plummet their way through, haven't they? But yeah. you know, it, people say it's nice that people say it. And it's nice. It's nice of you to say that. You, you, you know, it'd be nice if we stayed up. People do say like you're a proper club. You're a proper old school club, and. There's, there's a very um, old school sort of atmosphere at your ground and your ground's still got that nice feel that old fellas like us remember from, from old football. That's not always a good thing, but usually it's a good, it, usually it's a good thing. And I, I think, I think we brought, I'm not being funny about it, but I do think we brought some, not on the pitch at all. I think we're, we're dismal to watch, but, um, but I think we have brought something to the Premier League this year, but it hasn't been football. What I will you know say, what, Pete, is, Tom, it, sorry, Tom, go on. Go on. Do you know what? I, I think, Peter, Tommy, by the way, um, I, I think 36 points, 35, 36 points might be enough this season, you know, because I think Leicester have got a lot of tough games. I think a lot of teams have got a lot of tough games down there. They were at the bottom. I think Leeds have got a lot of tough games. And you look, and Everton, I, I, to be honest, I'm looking at Everton's and... They they've got a they've got an awful lot of tough games. Mm. So I think 35, 36 points might be enough to, to keep you safe. But you know, from our point of view, I agree with what Peter said. I think you are a proper any team that's won the European Cup and won leagues is it, and it is a proper a proper football club, isn't it? You know what? So I can understand. I really, I, I hope you stay up. I really do. I hope you to be. I hope you don't get any points against us on Saturday, <laughs> and that's not being cruel. But uh, you know, um, I thought we give you enough points to be honest. To be honest, to, to, yeah. this season, but, yeah. But um, to be honest, do you know what? It's been a funny season, hasn't it? And you're looking at results, and I would have said a couple of a couple of weeks back or a couple of months back, I would have said Bournemouth was a dead set to go. You know, like and all of a sudden, you know, our results changes everything. And you know, like West Ham was another one in free fall a couple of weeks ago. Just one or two results, and all of a sudden the the pressure's lifted off you because other teams are losing down there. So I'm not so I'm not so sure. You're still you're just on the periphery, aren't you? We could just do. We were very. We, our home form was fantastic, or was, but that, that's fallen away a bit. So we we were we went into games at home very confident, and that's just ebbing away a little bit. Um, away form's been poor all the way through. I mean, you know, we've scored four goals away from home this season. Uh, it's not it's not a great return, is it? It's it's a pretty painful watch for those that are uh, going away every week. Um, if we can get that home form back, 
Um, and just just pick up a couple of things there and just perhaps scrap a draw out somewhere away. I, I think that's unlikely at yours, but yeah, you never know, do you? One thing I will say, Pete, is that I watched I watched the the the, the, the Everton v Fulham game over the weekend. I also watched obviously our game on Monday, and I watched your game against Manchester United. And over and out of those three teams, not Forest played with the better with the better team team spirit, if you like, with the better effort. So that should give you a little bit of hope because as I say, when you listen to the when you listen to the blues, you know, that they're, they're as desolate as what as what you are. You know what I mean? They can't see they can't see where the, the next goal's coming from. Never me never mind the next win. So and unlike unlike Pete, I think Leicester will pull comfortably clear. And also, I'm probably the, the one who doesn't think Southampton are out of it yet. Because Southampton will look at it and they've got they've got both to play both Bournemouth and yourselves. So they'd be looking at that and think, if we can get six points out of them and all the other teams start losing, for example, yo, that gives us half a shout, yo, to stay up. We only have to sort of yo try and scrape. I mean, who'd have thought Southampton would have gone away to Chelsea and won? You know, and and Southampton have beat Manchester City in the you know in the League Cup, so you know they are capable of pulling off a shock result now and again. But from a, a not Forest point of view, I would say that that like you showed, you know, more effort and more spirit than either the the, the Everton or Leeds did over the weekend, and that must have been a filler for you. when you looked at the fixtures. I just ask you this: when you looked at the fixtures over the weekend, and you seen the Bournemouth were at Tottenham. You know, Everton were at home to Fulham. You had yourselves at home, you know, to Manchester United and Leicester were away at Manchester City. You would have probably looked at those those games and thought, I think Everton might get a win here against Fulham at home. So they'll be above it. So it must have given you a bit of a boost as a as a Forest fan and a, and a team that's that's in the relegation fight with Everton, that Everton didn't be be Fulham because that kept them down in the fight and knocked their confidence a little bit. Absolutely, we we were up at um, we were up at Anfield on Saturday for the Hillsborough anniversary. There was a, there was a group of us up there, and we were we were in the Arkles um, before Everton kicks off. Um, and there was a lot of Fulham fans in there, and uh, we were saying to them, you know, you could we could do with you doing us a favour today. And they were, they were absolutely no chance. Since Mitrovic has been out, we can't score a goal to save our lives. We've got no chance. They went and won three one. So you're, you're absolutely right. That was a big boost. I, and we could never predict what was going to happen between you and Leeds. Um, and they they looked, they fell apart, didn't they, really? And looked looked a little bit spineless and broken. And you, you might have done us a bit of a turn, bit of a turn there. Didn't make uh, qu- quite enough of a dent in the goal difference. I think they're still about 16 goals better than us. But uh, you, 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 you certainly did your bit. But yeah, it could have been a lot worse at the weekend. It could, it could, it could really have been a lot worse. Well, Pete, you want to ask something? Yeah, Pete. Um, not necessarily obviously about the game coming up, but you say you've been supporting Forest probably around the same time that us three have been following Liverpool. I think the big rivalry came when you came up in 77. I remember going to the Boxing Day fixture when the away fans were on the, the side on the, the terrace. And, and like you say, it was a bit feisty inside and it was feisty outside on the way back to the station. But are there any standout games in all the time? That, that's when the real rivalry started, the year you came up and won the league. 
Are there any games between now, sort of then and now that stand out? Obviously, the European Cup games. Um, but I remember some ding-dong games against you, like games at our place where we beat you 4-3. And we, we went there one year, I think it was in January 81, and we were like fifth or sixth to bottom at the time. And it was one of the live games on the telly, and we ended up um, winning 2-0, and it sort of turned our season round. So is there any other games that sort of stick out in your memory against us? Yeah, pl- yeah, plenty. Um, we, we used to we used to do all right against you at home, didn't we? And we we couldn't buy yeah. we couldn't we couldn't buy a win at Anfield. Uh, um, I think I saw somewhere today was it nineteen sixty seven the last time we won at Anfield. I think when we were a very good side and finished runners up. Um, I think that's the, I think that's the last time we we, we won there. Um, but we did we did well against you at home. I hate to say it, but the one that sticks in my mind is the night I was there for the five nil, where you just played football. It was like football off another planet mm-hmm. and absolutely destroyed us. And we were a good side then. We weren't quite as good as we got. Was that 87, 88? We were yeah. we were just yeah. building up and they were they were nearly there. And they, they got better in the next couple of years, but we'd done all right that season. I think we probably finished about fifth. And you just absolutely Yeah, played football from another planet that night. You just had to watch it and think this is this is this is special. So that, that was a that was a special night. Um, the I think league that was a week after the semi-final, wasn't it, Pete? After the semi-final, Hillsborough was the week after we played the five 0 I think. Yeah, it was the midweek one. It the Wednesday after yeah, the night game. Yeah, yeah. Was it? Yeah. Was it not yeah. the year before? No, it was the year after the first semi-final when uh, what, what, we won two 0 What sticks in my mind? What sticks in my mind about those sorts of games in that era? Um, was there were times we played specifically at Anfield. I know you said you didn't beat us there, but Peter Shilton was like, he was just outstanding in, in most of these games. I remember when we were two down in the European Cup and we were all singing on the cop, two goals are not enough. And in fairness, we'd even been playing till three in the morning. We just couldn't get past Shilton. And he used to come and, and some of the saves he made and, and the rivalry between... Not necessarily the fans, but the rivalry on the field. It was, it was, you know, the both both sets of players actually looked at one, you know, looked to one another and with a lot of respect, even though there was big rivalry. And one of the things that stands out at the time, um, we used to go to a club in Liverpool. It was a punk club, but we weren't punks. It was like a new wave club, and badges were all of the the rage then. There was always badges getting sold. And there was one getting sold outside Anfield with Get Nossed Forest on. <laughs> and that oh. shows you just that shows you just what the rivalry was. You were the biggest rivals through the you know, the late seventies, early eighties. It was always a big game against Forest. They were they were tough games on the pitch. I mean uh, yeah, sort of, you had players like sort of like Jimmy Case giving John giving the likes of John McGovern a good kicking around the around the play. But they they were always played with a decent a decent a decent kind of spirit. That night you're talking about the European Cup semi final. It wasn't just Shilton, was it? I mean um, Burns and Larry Lloyd were just phenomenal that night. Yeah. And um, I think um, Frank Clark virtually ran himself to virtually ran himself to death. I mean he had a, a pretty torrid time of it. But that was that was a you're right. You could have played on forever on that one. And I'll get it. Just just going back to the first leg. Um, you know, the two goals wasn't 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 you know I wouldn't have fancied us to hang on to one. That goal from Colin Barrett um <laughs> yeah. is 
still it's still the stuff of legend. Um, we we there's there's one of our fan groups um, arranges a little boat trip before a home game every season, um, a sort of beery boat trip that de- deposits everybody off back before the Trent end. And quite often, Colin Barrett is the guest of honour. He still lives locally and drinks locally. There's a lot of the, a lot of players of that generation do. You have to see Robbo walking down the shops with a fag in the corner of his mouth, sort of thing, and uh, shuff, still shuffling along about as fast as he did there. But I remember being on the boat and Colin Barrett reenacted that goal through the power of the medium of Sabutio. Uh, he was extremely drunk, um, but he, he, he reenacted his own goal on a, on, a, on, a, on a ship on the Trent that he rounded off by singing, "Who put the sco- goal in the Who put the ball in the scouser's net? Me." <laughs> I tell you what, you're talking there about uh, Pete was talking there about Peter Shilton. We played two games against Chris Woods and we, we couldn't get a goal past him either. So I think I think it was Shilton in disguise who was in goal that day because you know with the game against Wembley and then the one at Old Trafford, you know, thanks to Pat Partridge, you know, and the only that was the only game in the um, in the replay that Ian Callaghan got booked in the whole of his career. And um, and he, he disallowed two goals, didn't he, from Terry Mack? But everything else that we hit, Chris Wood saved. And going into that game, you were without three or four players because of the um, they were they were cup tied. Yeah. So for you to for you to win that game, um, you know it was, you know, it just showed. You know, I I think there's a lot of times in football where where it doesn't matter which two teams are playing. You can have an inferior team against a really good team. But if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And I think, you know, that that definitely happened, you know, that that day. And it happened to us, you know, in 2005 in Istanbul, where, you know, that was meant to be because there's no other explanation for it. But going back to, to, to Forrester today, how do you think Nico Williams has done since he signed for you? He's, he's not been quite the player we were hoping he'd be. Um, but yeah... He's been a victim as much as everybody else, really, because he's, he's never played in a settled position. He's come on at times when things have been difficult. He's not been a regular starter. Um, and he's, he's been playing in a team that hasn't really had a, a definable system. We, we've not played the same lineup or the same, the, the same way for, for two games on the trot. He was, at, he was certainly amongst our best players on the pitch on Sunday against United. He, he played with a real sort of like bite and spirit, and he was very, very up for that. And um, and he had he had he had he had his best game for us there, really. So um, he's 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 a good player, isn't he? He's he's a good player. We, we've got a few good players of real Premier League class. We haven't quite got enough. We've got him Johnson will be a good player. Morgan Gibbs White is a good player. Um, the Brazilians are good. Felipe Felipe is a class act at at, at fullback there, um, and Danilo in, in in the middle is good. Uh, Musanir Carti is a good player. Play, play, plays at the back. The rest are all sort of nearly the, the, a lot a lot of nearly players, and and it, it never quite clicks, and it never clicks never quite clicks for those better players. And I think I think Williams is one of is one of those. Um, who needs to be in a, in a settled, decent team with a with a system that he can sort of like buy into? Um, yeah, it's 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 tough. It's tough. It's it's a tough place for him to have come this year. How about Taiwo Awombi? He's a player that that was on our books. We never actually seen him play ourselves, but he looks very raw to me. But he does seem to have 
something about him. Do you think he's a rough diamond, or do you think that's basically the level you're going to see of him now? What you're seeing this season? Yeah, you look, you look, you um, bought him and loaned him straight out to Frankfurt, didn't you? Um, yeah. As a, as I remember, um, and we bought him from Union Berlin, where he scored a lot of goals last season, and they're a good side. Uh, you know, they're, they're top end of the Bundesliga, aren't they, this year? And they, they didn't want to sell him. And um, their fans were very sorry to see him go. Um, he's raw. He looked, he was one of those, um, you know, I'm, I'm old enough to remember us buying some right tripe, you know, sort of like Ian Wallace and Peter Ward and, uh, <laughs> you know, bless, bless, his, bless his soul. He, you know, but, um, you know, just, just in fashion, who players who look good for, a, for about a game um, and then didn't. And I think a lot of us sort of rubbed our heads and thought, Oh, have we bought another another of those? Uh, Robert Rosario, who wasn't Romario, was he? Um, <laughs> to, I think someone thought he was. Um, but a, a one, a one. He looked, he looked. He's a powerful lad. He's a he's a strong lad. And to start with, though, this he, he doesn't look very good here. Then he suddenly clicked. He scored two in three games. Chelsea, Chelsea at our place didn't know what to do with him. They they couldn't handle him at all. Um, and he looked terrific, but he got injured, and he hasn't. He, he made his first start again at the weekend, so he's been out for ages. He's a powerful lad. Um, I mean, we paid seventeen million for him, which is a lot for us. Um, and I, I, I think he'll be all right when he gets a run. I don't, I don't think he'll be a world beater, but I think he, he's a good enough player for a middling Premier League team. Maybe he'll be the player to, to reignite your season. Yeah. You know, as I said before, that's that's what you you know at, at certain times in the, you're looking for a break that that kicks everything off, don't, don't you? And he's he could be that player. I was slightly saddened to hear about Nico because I always thought Nico was a really good player. Maybe maybe when you you get a settled side and you you bring players in around and he can settle into that position, he is a bit of a player, Nico. I think he's he's a really decent player. My favourite game against Nottingham Forest, going back to your point before, was the was the game we played in the FA Cup. I think when we won two 0 I think I was at the game at I was at the game when we got beat two 0 down at, at yeah, your place in the European Cup. I think that was that was a, a very very feisty game, as PC said. But I thought I thought you played quite well that night. I think didn't Gary Bertles. Start off that, that I mean, he, he I think he scored the first goal, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he played really, really well, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. And I thought overall, I thought I, I went down there really confident. I thought we were going to beat, beat Nottingham Forest that night, and um, I was quite surprised, you know, to lose the game or believed we could we turn it around in the next game, but the, I think. I like for I like for I, I wish as well I really do. Yeah, that's that's a, there's, there's there's been a rivalry then, and I think at times certainly from our end, I, I, mean, I think we've probably disappeared off your radar a bit. But I, I, I think a lot of people at our end, in, in a desperate attempt to sort of cling on to a bit of history and a bit of significance in the world, have, have decided you know that that um, we have to really dislike you and we have to hate you and. You know, it's, it's it's not necessary now. We we can we can we can enjoy playing against you. It'd, it'd be nice to be real rivals again. Um, whether that could ever happen again, that would be that would be nice. But um, you know, we 
we're, we're two cities with quite a lot in common, you know, um, more, more than more than people might realise. You know, we're we're a very deprived, dumped on city as well. That's you know faced a hard fight over the last 20, 25 years. Um, it's sort of like why when I'm online, I'm, you know, I'll call out any sort of poverty chanting because it just looks absolutely ludicrous coming from our end. Uh, you know, because we live we live it we live in one of the UK's poorest regions. Um, you know, we have we have got a lot in, we have got a lot in in common. We've got a we've got a history. Um, I don't understand people. I mean, I, I, if I'm if I'm watching you guys playing City in the pub and there's locals around here sort of rooting for City. I'm thinking, what are you doing? Why, what, why, why have you got a root? You know, why are you rooting for the oil money? You know, team, the, the sort of the Johnny come. I don't, I don't, and not not just in a dispassionate sort of way, but in a really, really sort of um, passionate. It matters to them kind of way. And it's like, well, it's yeah, but it's Liverpool, isn't it? And it's like, yeah, and yeah, um, I don't, I don't get that. But you'll have to keep spreading the word, peace. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. After all, after all, you're the most hated club in the country because everyone sings "We Ain't Nottingham Forest." <laughs> <laughs> it scans and it it just fits. It's just yeah. got the right syllables. I don't believe that for a second. Yeah, <laughs> could be anyone. Could be Sammy Rovers. Yeah. <laughs> just a couple of quick questions because obviously we're coming up to the hour now, and, and Warby's <laughs> got to get his double agent's little slot in at the end. So just wondered over. You know, we all talk as as we do about, you know, who the greatest player is that we've ever seen play for Liverpool. I'd just like to ask you, you know, you've seen, as you've said before, and you've touched on both sides of it, you've seen some really awful players play for Forest. But you went through that golden age where you you had some, you know, really, really great players. And, and you know, I think Forrest are a lesson really to a lot of people where, you know, Again, you know, when, when Forrest were the most successful, it was buying like misfits, if you want to call them, players mm. who were good players but weren't wanted anywhere else. And then when Forrest started splashing the big money, that's when it started to go wrong, right? And you know, when you see all these people sort of on Twitter saying you've got to spend, 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 it's not that way. And I've always said it doesn't matter how much you pay for a player. It's all about signing the right player. And I just wondered, you know, of all the time you've been watching Forrest, in your opinion, who is the best player you've ever seen play for Forrest? Yeah, that's, a, that's good. What, what you say about rough diamonds, you know, some, somebody like Kenny Burns, nobody had touched Kenny Burns. You know, he had a, reputedly had a gambling problem, a drink problem. Peter Taylor trailed him undercover with his sunglasses on, said he was a mess. <laughs> Discipline problem turning from a centre forward into a fantastic centre full, full back uh, centre half, you know, fa fantastic. And they they could do that, couldn't they? Best players, um, Robertson was magic. Robertson was pure magic, um, just unplayable. I think on his day, so he, he was he was he was right up there. Um, I used to love watching Duncan McKenzie as a as a young man. He was a tremendous talent, um, and then. Then all of that sort of great side, they were there were a lot of journeymen, weren't there? They weren't they weren't sort of stand, you know, they weren't big superstar kind of names. Even Trevor Francis wasn't wasn't a terrific watch. And if you want my honest answer as to my favourite ever player, the most, I'll tell you what, I'll, I can't give you my best ever player. My most exciting, thrilling. I would pay money to watch him as much as he wanted to 
ask me for it. Stan Collymore. Interesting. Yeah. What, what a play. That actually leads us on if you want to the double agents. If, if yeah, go on then, Pete. Because what we do each week, Pete, we, we we look at the the opposition and we try. I I look through the history books and say I look at players who've played for both teams. Mm. And you mentioned Stan Collymore there, and we were made up to get Stan. It was between us and Everson, to be honest. I think he could choose between either, and we got Stan Collymore. But he, for one reason or another, you know, he showed it in glimpses, but. I think it was just down to attitude in the end and, and we lost out to Stan. But I've been looking through um, some of the players that have played for both Liverpool and Forest. And you mentioned Nico and, and a, a one use in this in the sides now. But I mean Larry Lloyd, he he's, he played more or less the same amount of games, 150 for Liverpool, 148 for Forest. And he left Liverpool when you think when people leave Liverpool, you think, well, they're not gonna they're not gonna better their careers, to be honest. And he went to Forest when they had that when when they won the European Cups and he came and he was he was just a fantastic stopper and I don't mean disrespectfully but he he was such a hard man. Um, Nigel Clough obviously was more successful at Forest than he was at our place, and he came. But I my one of my favourites for Liverpool um, was an ex was an ex Forest player, Peter Cormac. I used to yep. love Peter Cormac, um, and then. I noticed quite a few that I didn't realise had played for both clubs. Uh, predominantly for Forest, he went out on loan. Um, Nick Barnby played half a dozen games for Forest and I couldn't ever remember him playing for Forest. Yeah. Uh, Lee, Pel- Lee Peltier played seven on loan. He was a fullback. But there was Jack Hobbs who made about 70 appearances for Forest. And I think we got Jack from Lincoln City. Yeah, and he was going to be the next big thing, Jack. But he, it just didn't work out for him at our place. Um, so as I say, there was a few, and and it was hard. I mean, some some teams you play against, they, they roll off your tongue. The, the you know the players that have played for both teams. Uh, Daniel Ayala was another one. He played a few games on loan for you. Paul Koncheski, who we won't really talk much about, yeah. but no. you know, there's, there's a few. And as I say, but piece of Cormac for me, he, he's. We're doing the thing in the summer, our, our, our best 50 players in the last 50 years. And Peter Cormac's pushing to be one of the midfielders. I used to love watching Peter Cormac play. On that note, we're coming up to the to the hour. So I'd like to thank Zigazaga Pete for coming on and joining us tonight and wish, wish Forrest all the best for the rest of the season, but obviously not on Saturday. Thank you. Um, we <laughs> hope that you know, you're able to join us next season previewing a couple more games in the Premier League between Liverpool and Notts Forest. But once again, that's the end of the latest episode of the LFC Red Poets podcast. Once again, don't buy the sun, justice for the 97, and you'll never walk alone.